So we are in Matthew 22, 1 through 14 today. I've been talking a lot about uh, <clears throat> talking a lot about fruit, and uh, look at that fruit tree. How many things loaded in it? Isn't that awesome? Uh, that's that's fruit right there, guys. That's that's fruit. So 22, 1 through 14 is uh, the parable of the wedding feast. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, "The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son." And sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent his servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. So therefore, go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both the bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you so much for your word. Uh, we just thank you that it's, uh, uh, that it's true truth, Lord. Uh, Father, just, uh, just help us to, to understand your word in our lives and how it applies to us, Lord. And, uh, and Father, um, we just continue to pray for the lost and we pray for the missions and we pray for those things, Lord, that you have called us to do, Lord. You have commanded us to do. And uh, that we would be faithful to you, Lord, and faithful to one another here in this body of believers. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're we're going through <clears throat> these parables, and um, so Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in another parable, and uh, so his road to the cross is growing near, and he continues to teach the religious leaders the error of their ways. In response, they continued to try and find ways to discredit him and seek a way to destroy him. They're blinded to the very scripture they have studied and sworn to follow. They've spent their whole lives studying this, pointing to the Messiah. There he is, right in front of them, and they're unable to see. They, they just refuse to see Jesus as who he really is. So in this parable... We go into the wedding feast. So Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a wedding feast. So in Jesus' day, a wedding feast was thrown by a king, and it would be a large affair lasting several days. The feast he describes represents our fellowship with God in his kingdom. <clears throat> by being invited to the feast, we're invited into his kingdom. So, so this was a big deal back in Jesus' day. You know, the wedding feast was, would go on for days, and it was, it was, a, big, it was a big party. It was a big event. Um, and so it was a big deal. And um, how would we react if we were directly invited by a king to attend a special event, like a wedding? 
Um, I think it's interesting in the United States, we don't have kings in this country. We fought a war, war to make sure we don't have one. So I think for us sometimes the gravity of this situation when we're talking about a king doesn't quite take hold of us. Uh, kings in Jesus' time had absolute power over their subjects. So to refuse an invitation from the king would be a serious insult to his authority and it would have dangerous consequences. But if you, you know, if you look back, um, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're Americans. We don't, we don't subjugate to any king, you know, we're, we're do-it-ourselves kinds of people, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, whatever those are, and all that kind of thing. But the idea of, of kings, you know, there's, you know, they, the, the British, you know, tried to keep us under their authority, under the king, and, you know, we shot them. So that's, I mean, we fought a war to say we don't want anything to do with kings. You know, we're going to be a constitutional republic here. We're not going to be a, we're not going to be a kingdom. So, so our whole mindset sometimes is kings are not such a good thing. But if you look, he sends out an invitation and then in verse four, he sends out a second one. Again, he sent his other servants saying, tell those who are invited, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. This is a picture of God's grace that he desires that none should perish. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. Sound of pages turning is always good. Second Peter three nine <clears throat> says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance." So, in this parable, we talk about the invitation from the king and the fact that he says, "Come to my wedding feast," and people just ignore it go on back to the farm, whatever it is they're doing, pay no attention. In that day, that was enough to get you killed right there. I mean, you only got one invitation. But this shows the grace of God that He has continued to reach out to us even though we've turned away from Him in a lot of times. And the second time, they sent Him out. They ignored the invitation. Some of them even seized His servants, which were the prophets, and they killed them. The king's reaction is swift and severe at this point uh, for their treason. He sends his troops to destroy them and burn their city. And that is probably a reference to A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was conquered and burned and destroyed. So then he sends out his servants to gather everyone they found from out on the roads, both good and bad, filling the hall with guests. Who are these guests? Well, when he says he sends them out on the road... um, the, in the Greek, if you look at that, it's not just they went out, you know, they went outside the city. They went out and gathered people in. So it's outside of Jerusalem. It's, it's the Gentiles. It's us that he comes and he brings, they bring them back. So <clears throat> they get the good and the bad. They don't, they don't say, okay, well, 
you're good, I'll, I'll invite you. And No, everyone is invited, both good and bad. God calls us to repentance and faith no matter how good or bad we are. We're all invited to the, to the wedding feast. So it doesn't matter where you stand, you know, how sinful you are, you're all invited. Everyone's invited. So we look and we see that the king finds a man at the wedding feast who isn't dressed for the occasion and occasion in wedding garments. In those days, the king would generally provide wedding garments for his guests. So that was kind of traditional. If you got invited to the wedding, um, you know, you didn't have to wear your nasty old farm clothes or whatever it is you did. You know, he would provide something appropriate for you to wear. And that was just part of the invitation. So the king goes in and... Uh, So in verse 11, when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. In the Greek, and, and I'm not going to get a race board and do all that, you know, that kind of stuff, but in the Greek, you know, it kind of looks like in, in, in the Bible it says, well, the king came in and he looked around, here's a guy that's not dressed properly. The proper way to look at this is the king came in and intently looked at each guest. So it wasn't like he just kind of scanned the crowd. He looked at each guest to see if they were appropriately dressed for this wedding feast. So it's, it's, it means a little more that it's an intense look at each and every one there. So, um, so the guy there is in improper attire and he didn't belong. His punishment is swift and severe. The servants bind him. And throw him into the outer darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at Matthew eight, eleven, and twelve. Just back up a little bit. So as I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's us. That's the Gentiles. While the sons of the kingdom, the Jews, some of them, will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then in uh, Matthew 13, 41 and 42. Flip up a hair. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then uh, 49 and 50 in that same 13 says, So it will be at the end of the age the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place... There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus makes it pretty clear there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth going on if you're separated and you're out in the outer darkness. Um, I think I think it's important for us to continue to remember that um, a lot of churches today take the emphasis off of hell. 
And we have to be firm in the fact that you have two choices. You have two places you're going. You're going to heaven to spend an eternity with with God, with Jesus, or you're going to hell and continue in separation from God for eternity. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a this is not a good place. We tend to we tend to gloss over hell. We tend to um, say, well, you know, God's love and all these things, and and but God is just and He's righteous and He will judge. So we can't we can't diminish how important that is when we share the gospel with people. We have to in our in our heart we have to know that if they don't come to Christ. There's no other place other than hell for them. And, and I think that's, in a lot of churches today, you see that. You, 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 there's a lot of people I've talked to that says, you know, I've gone to church in this church for several years. I have never heard hell mentioned once. And, you know, I'm not saying that to scare people, but it's the truth. We have to preach the truth. Um, I thought about when I started this, you know, Rod's going to be taking over first of December, so I probably won't be up here for a while. Um, and I thought about, you know, if, if I had, if it was my last sermon before this body, you know, what would I say different than I would say any other Sunday? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Because God's Word is true all the way through, and if we just preach it, we just preach it as it is. So... So you're not getting any different message than you would have got any other time. So this guy's his punishment, swift, severe. They bind him, they gag him, and they throw him into the outer darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Just for not being dressed right? <laughs> that sounds funny. This is a direct reference to hell, just like I said. Even though he tried to attend the wedding, he wasn't qualified to be there. He was lacking the proper garments. And I put garments in quotations. We see statistics all the time about how many lost people there are who claim membership in a church and that they're believers. It should be a burden on our hearts to disciple one another so that we can be sure of our salvation. I'm not saying question your salvation, but I'm saying examine yourselves for the faith that's in you that you're truly, you truly understand, you truly know what salvation is. And, you know, we've talked about fruit. All those things come out of your heart. You know, it's, it's the overflow of your heart is what, is what you, uh, basically what comes out of your mouth is the overflow of what's in your heart. Do we come to church dressed up in our Sunday best, looking holy? Think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys that had their nice holy garments and they would go through the streets and they wanted everyone to see how holy they were because they were dressed up holy and they were giving alms to the poor and making sure that everybody saw they were doing these holy things and they were praying out loud and all these things to, to say, look how holy I am. But do we praise Him with our lips? And are our hearts far from Him in Matthew fifteen eight and Luke thirteen twenty two and thirty? Um, what this guy, what this king's looking at, is is not 
clothes. This parable isn't about the clothes the man wore. This parable is about the king looking at the guy's heart. He's looking at our hearts. So um, it's not about clothes. We had a discussion last Sunday maybe about what you wear to church. Um, if you like to dress up for church and you think that is honoring to God, that's a good thing. If you come in your bib overalls, <laughs> uh, Mike Bravo said Carol won't let him wear his bibs to church, but um, you know, it's God is not looking at how we're dressed. And, and I'm not saying you know it makes a difference, but it's if you dress to honor God and you feel in your heart that's that's the way you should come to church, that's good. If all you have is jeans, that's fine too. Because God's looking at, He's not looking at what we're wearing on the outside. It's what's in our heart. Um, I knew a guy that went to church in a Methodist church for years and years. And he wore the same suit all those years to church every Sunday because he had that suit and his work clothes. He's a farmer. Um, and he felt like that was honoring to God. Now that suit was pretty outdated. And when he died, he was buried in that suit. And, you know, but God never looked at his suit. God looked at his heart. So, so yeah, it wasn't the clothes. Um, it was, uh, I'm losing my thing here. He was lacking in some crucial part of worthiness before a holy God. Look at Luke thirteen twenty two to thirty. <clears throat> it says he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you came come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And in that place, once again, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline a table in the kingdom of God. And behold... Some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. It's important. This, this stuff's important that, you know, that we, we examine ourselves, but also, Lord, pray that we, um, that we're clear with the gospel with other people. We just plant the seeds. We don't do the saving, but, uh, but we need to be planting those seeds. Jesus is the bridegroom, and His church is the bride. This is what this story is all about. It's not really about a wedding on earth. Jesus, He will return to claim His bride. 
So when he does, will we be dressed in our wedding clothes? Look at Isaiah 61.10 real quick. says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. So clothed in garments of salvation, covered in righteousness. That's the clothing that we're looking for. Those are the wedding garments that we want to be clothed in. So when he comes, will we be dressed in our wedding clothes or will he find reason to declare he never knew us? For many are called, which is also called the general calling. That's what this whole group of people came to the wedding feast the good and the bad, they've all been called to the wedding feast, but few are chosen. That's the effective calling. When you respond to the gospel and come to Christ, that's the effective calling. We're all called. But will you listen to what he says? Will you listen to the gospel? Will you respond to the gospel? We all have people, you know, we just finished Thanksgiving, we're all thankful for so many things, and we could probably list a lot of things. And, you know, most, first and foremost, thankful for our salvation, you know, that we were chosen, that He called us and we responded. And that is uh, our charge now is to take that message out to the lost. Every one of us here, as thankful as we are, has somebody in our family, somebody we're close to that, that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior. But America, church, we do have a king. Even though we don't like kings, we do have a king. And he extends his grace and mercy to all of us. Repent. Seek a right relationship with God. Charles Spurgeon said that in the Christian life, repentance is a daily thing. We talked about it in Sunday school today. What is, what is repentance? Well, it's, it's knowing the thorns in my life are thorns that I don't gloss it over, that I turn away from it, repent from it. But it's a daily thing because we are sinners. As good as, as good as we can try to be and as holy as we can be, we are always going to be sinners until we're, until we're in heaven. So continue to repent. Continue to turn away from the things that separate us individually and as a group from God. Seek a right relationship with God. How do you do that? Read His Word. If, if you're not in God's Word, you can't get to know Him. He wants to know us personally, each and every one of us. He wants that relationship. He's given us, the, His Word is, is complete. He's given it to us, but if we don't take it up and read it, then we won't know Him. So get to know Him. So today, um, we look at the wedding feast, we look at the parable, 
we see that God's kingdom, God has invited us to the wedding feast. And um, unfortunately, the, the Jews didn't respond well to that. They, they ignored it. Some came to Christ. But they killed the prophets, and they killed Christ. But it was all part of God's plan from the very beginning. And we have to understand that, that this grace and mercy and the salvation is extended to everyone. And um, that's that's my prayer, that um, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then you make that decision. If he's, if he's pulling at your heart, if He's knocking on that door, make that decision because He's there and He's ready to come into your life and have a relationship with you and uh, and give you salvation. Um, if you're fighting it, don't fight it. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to do that. You can you can be saved right where you're sitting. But if you don't know Christ, we have to be clear that the weeping and gnashing of teeth, going to hell is your only other option. There's there's only two options. So um, make sure you understand that that it's clear in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and um, I just thank you for this message, Lord, that that you've extended this invitation to all of us, uh, the good and the bad, and that uh, we just need to accept it, Lord, uh, to to come into a right relationship with you um, and to to walk that every day, Lord, as best we can. We're just... uh, uh, we're just messed up individuals, Lord, but uh, we just keep trying. And uh, we just want to stay focused on you and everything that we do. Um, just help us, Lord. Help us to repent when we we have bad thoughts and bad actions and we have those thorns in our lives, Lord, that, uh, uh, that are un- not pleasing to you. Um, Lord, we just know that it's a process. Our sanctification is a process. Um, we'll not get there until the day we're with you, but... Uh, Lord, help us to strive to move forward, to not look back, but just to continue, Lord, to uh, uh, to serve you, to serve one another, and to love one another, Lord. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.